praise and honor to you, O Lord Jesus Christ. The Passion of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to where there was a garden into which he and his disciples entered. Judas, his betrayer, also knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas got a band of soldiers and guards from the chief priests and the Pharisees and went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, knowing everything that was going to happen to him, went out and said to them, Whom are you looking for? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am. Judas, his betrayer, was also with them. When he said to them, I am, they turned away and fell to the ground. So he again asked them, Whom are you looking for? They said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill what he had said. I have not lost any of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its scabbard. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father gave me? So the band of soldiers, the tribune, and the Jewish guards seized Jesus, bound him, and brought him to Annas first. He was the father-in-law, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had counseled the Jews that it was better that one man should die rather than the people. Simon and Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. Now the other disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered the courtyard of the high priest with Jesus. But Peter stood at the gate outside. So the other disciple, the acquaintance of the high priest, went out and spoke to the gatekeeper and brought Peter in. Then the maid who was the gatekeeper said to Peter, You are, you are not, not one of this man's, man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the guards were standing around a charcoal fire that they had made, because it was cold and were warming themselves. Peter was also standing there, keeping warm. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I have spoken publicly to the world. I have always taught in a synagogue or in the temple area where all the Jews gather, and in secret I have said nothing. Why ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said this, one of the temple guards standing there struck Jesus and said, Is this the way you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing there keeping warm, and they said to him, You are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the one whose ear Peter had cut off, said, 
Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately the cock crowed. Then they brought Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. It was morning, and they themselves did not enter the praetorium in order not to be defiled, so that they could eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. At this, Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. The Jews answered him, We do not have the right to execute anyone. In order that the word of Jesus might be fulfilled, that he said, indicating the kind of death he would die. So Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own, or have others told you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom did belong to this world, my attendants would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not here. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king? Jesus answered, You say I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? When he had said this, he went again went out to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this one, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a revolutionary. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him scourged, and the soldiers wove a crown out of thorns and placed it on his head and clothed him in a purple cloak. And they came to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him repeatedly. Once more Pilate went out and said to them, Look, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple cloak, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the guards saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die. Because he made himself the Son of God. Now when Pilate heard this statement, he became even more afraid, and went back into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus did not answer him, so Pilate said to him, Do you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the power to release you, and I have the power to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no power over me if it had not been given to you from above. For this reason, the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Consequently, Pilate tried to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release him, 
you are not a friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and seated him on the judge's bench in a place called Stolen Pavement, in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was preparation day for Passover, and it was about noon. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then they handed him over to be crucified. So they took Jesus and carrying the cross himself, went out to what is called the place of the skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with two others, one on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had an inscription written and put on the cross. It read, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Now many of the Jews read this inscription, because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shears, a shear for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top down. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it will be. In order that the passage of scripture might be fulfilled that says, They divided my garments among them, and for my vestures they cast lots. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary of Magdala. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, aware that everything was now finished in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst. There was a vessel filled with common wine. So they put a sponge soaked in wine on a sprig of hyssop and put it up to his mouth. When Jesus had taken the wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he handed over his, the spirit. Now, since it was preparation day, in order that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath day of that week was a solemn one, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs be broken and that they be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and then of the other one who was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs 
But one soldier thrust his lance into his side, and immediately blood and water flowed out. An eyewitness testifies, has testified, and his testimony is true. He knows that he is speaking the truth, so that you may also come to believe. For this happened so that the scripture passage might be fulfilled. Not a bone of it will be broken. And again, another passage says, They will look upon him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, secretly a disciple of Jesus, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate if he could remove the body of Jesus, and Pilate permitted it. So they came and took his body. Nicodemus, the one who had first come to him at night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and bound it with burial cloths, along with the spices, according to a Jewish burial custom. Now, in the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had yet been buried. So they laid Jesus there because of the Jewish preparation day, for the tomb was close by. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, as we began preparing rehearsal for tonight's service, we put down the red cloth where we're soon going to place the crucifix and venerate this image of the Lord's love. Part of the reason you do a rehearsal is because they put that cloth down and we stepped back and I looked at it and I said, that looks kind of like a Valentine heart. (laughs) Not quite appropriate. So they kind of fluffed it up a little bit. Someone said, well, maybe it looks like the sacred heart. You know, really, the final gift that Jesus gives to us is this gift of his heart. His heart broken open for us on the cross. His heart full of love and mercy. His heart pierced because of my sins and yours. But his heart given to us is a gift. problem is it's easy for us to forget the gifts that we've received. And I wonder if Jesus, from the cross looking down upon us all, ready to give this ultimate gift of his heart, if he thought, well, how are they going to remember? How will they remember what I've given them, what I've done? I wonder if Jesus looked down from the cross and saw his mother there and said, she knows my heart. The Gospel of Luke say that Mary kept everything in her heart, all the intimate details of her son. She pondered them. I wonder if Jesus might have looked down and said, 
she will help them remember the gift I gave. Mary was there at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of John, the wedding at Cana, where there was a bridal feast, there was water, there was wine, there was a need. Mary saw all of that, and she took it into her heart, and she brought that to her son, and she brought the servants to her son, and she said, do whatever he tells you. It says, Jesus revealed his glory, his disciples believed. And in the hour of his glory, when he is lifted up, Mary is there. The water and wine are the water and blood flowing from his side. And the consummation of Jesus' love for his bride, the church, is the total, perfect, faithful offering of himself. Jesus gives you and me his heart. And he never takes it back. But we can forget. Woman, behold your son. I wonder how Mary heard that word. Maybe first of all, looking up at his face, looking up at his wounded body, gasping for his last breath. She said, of course, I know my son. And somehow my heart is big enough to hold all of this as well, along with all the other memories, all of the other intimate details of your life that I treasure. Somehow my heart has the strength to hold this too. And then Jesus turns to you and to me and says, Behold your mother. Maybe Mary looks at us and says, Oh, you are also mine. And everything that's in my heart, from his heart, I want to help you hold it in your heart. So I was born on the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows, and I used to joke that the day I was born, Our Lady had something to be sad about. As time goes on, it's much less a joke. time goes on, I'm aware of my sinfulness, my failings. And I don't want to be a cause of pain to my mother, to my Lord, to my brothers and sisters. And yet I am. And sometimes I can carry those memories most deeply in my mind and in my heart. The things I've said, the things I've done, the things I've thought, the things I've failed to do. And those memories can be so present in my heart that my heart is full of shame, regret, fear, remorse, disappointment, discouragement, fill in the details. Is that what God wants us to carry in our hearts? Is that why he gave his life for you and for me? 
Or does he want us to be able to say, okay, I remember these details about my life. Help me remember the details about your life. I can kind of be aware of what I've done. Lord, much more important, help me remember what you've done. Mary's heart was brought open more and more and more. And her heart is still open to you and to me. To reveal to us, to help us take in, as she did, the intimate details of the heart of her son. To remember what the Lord has done. To remember what he has given us. Woman, behold your child. Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Just one last thought. I wanted to fit St. Joseph into this little homily this year since we're celebrating the year of St. Joseph and I couldn't figure out how because Joseph doesn't show up in the Gospel of John. Joseph isn't there at the Passion of the Lord. Consider that Joseph would have died before the public ministry of Jesus. I actually read uh, some commentaries about, you know, woman, behold your son and behold your mother. And some Protestant commentary said, you know, Jesus was just being a dutiful son taking care of his mother. He wanted to make sure someone would take care of her. And I'm sure that's a part of it. He was worried about her. I was like, huh, I I think she had much more to give us than maybe we have to give her. But it says, from that hour the disciple took her into his home. That kind of made me think of Joseph at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, when he came up upon this tremendous mystery of the Incarnation. And he was so aware of his littleness, unworthiness, inability, that he was ready to step away until in a dream he received a message that said, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. Joseph had a unique role to play in the mystery of the incarnation, a unique role to play, therefore, in this mystery of our redemption, the offering of this body born of the Virgin by the power of the Spirit, but cherished, nurtured, guarded by the loving fatherly care of Joseph as a foster father. But Joseph needed encouragement not to be afraid to receive Mary. Jesus wants to give you his heart. And he wants to give you his mother to help you treasure all that he gave you. And when you feel unworthy, when you maybe forget or doubt how much he gave, he wants to say, don't be afraid. Behold your mother. Take her into your home because she will bring you into my heart. The greatest gift that I give to you.